Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 33, if you would, please. We'll talk a little bit more about the glory and just make scriptural reference to it and maybe pull out a few truths that can kind of lead you to that place and cause you to desire it, to long for it, and hopefully to experience it and to understand a little bit with that uh, of how to get to that place. Amen. Say this with me. This is my Bible. Everything in it was meant for me. Oh, Lord, be it unto me. According to your word, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, it's a delight to be with you guys. Uh, it's been kind of strange for me to be out of town two weeks in a row. haven't done that in a very long time, but uh, uh, thank you so much. A couple of weeks ago, you guys laid hands on me. I believe that was a Wednesday night also. Those Wednesday nights are not insignificant and released me to go out and to preach and to pour into some of these uh, revivals, other people that are seeking revival and pursuing for it and uh, and to be able to invest and to contribute into theirs, to sow into theirs. And friends, I believe great things are getting ready to take place and happen here. Uh, greater than we've seen before. We've seen a lot of great and glorious things, but there's more to be had from God. Amen? Much more to be had. So in Exodus chapter 33, uh, I love the verse and verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying to your descendants, I give it to you. So how would that relate to us right now? One, understanding that the Old Testament was written for our learning, okay, for our instruction, and that's scriptural base there. And Moses was a, was a, a, a foreshadowing of what was to come. Jesus, the deliverer, you know, to cause us to come out of bondage and to come out of have an exodus that's what that means is an exodus is coming out and to come out of Egypt and be set free and God even makes a reference here that God says to Moses he says you know the people that you have brought up out of Egypt now, we know that God prepared the way, God set the way, God provided everything it took to get there, but they're going back to what once was. They're going back to what once was, but they're actually moving forward. They're not moving backwards. Taking them back to the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which literally means what God has provided, what God has established. We are kind of in the same situation as a church today. We are trying to go back to the book of Acts. We're trying to go back to, by moving forward, what the apostles had with Jesus, what the early church had with Jesus. Does that make sense? So when you see this, we're trying to get back to what the church looked like at its original conception. There's nothing wrong with that. The thing that is wrong with much of church today is that we got off into what we wanted it to be instead of what he intended it to be. Amen. And I'm not going to pick and, and go after things and say this, 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 and point to things that are wrong out. That's not, that's not my point. My point is to get back to what we know it is right. They had prayer meetings. They had prayer meetings that God showed up. 
No, literally, God showed up. And they went and waited in the upper room, and, it, and a mighty sound, like a mighty rushing wind came in, and the Spirit of God came in, and they, they experienced the power of God. Not only did that, they, fulfilled, they experienced what Jesus said would happen. They were endued with power from on high. The church should be much more powerful and much less powerless. You and I should be more powerful as believers. That doesn't mean that we can, we're, we're, we're transformers and we can just do whatever we want, whatever we want, or we pop out of a telephone booth or out of a prayer closet and also we have this supernatural. It's not that kind of power. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for the power. One reason is that we're not doing what our flesh wants to do. We're doing what his spirit wants to do. One reason we're not seeing as much of what God is doing is because we're still looking for what we want to do. But to be led by the Spirit, you get a power and you have dominion over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. You follow what I'm saying? And so he, they're moving forward to what God has for them. He said, I will give it to you. I will give it to you. Hey, listen, these guys in, in, the, in the early conception of the church of what we're a part of, they laid down their lives. They died for what you and I are living for. And he said, I will give it to you. We are the descendants of the early church. So you have to understand this pattern that is given. How do we get to that place? In the latter church, according to scripture, not according to me, not because I'm Pentecostal or charismatic or non-denominational, but according to scripture, the promise is that the latter church will be filled with the glory of God. Jesus literally said, I live for the hour, not for the season. He said, the hour to glorify the Father. That has got to become a mindset of us as a church. One mind. It has to become vocalized, not just I have a preacher that preaches about it, but we need to start speaking about it. And the best place to start speaking about it is in your prayer time. Father, glorify your name. You have to ask yourself, when was the last time that I literally thought about the situation I was in, I was going through, whether good, whether bad? Father, glorify your name. That ought to be the burning desire of our lives is that God, Jesus, would be glorified through our lives. Amen? Go down to verse 7. Well, I'll go to verse 2 first. I'm sorry. And I will send my angel, that capital A angel, is God's angel. He said, my angel, that's Jesus. I will send my messenger before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites, the Hittites and the Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites and every other website. He said, I'll drive them all out. Now, let me just ask this question. You can be honest with my hands up. You don't have to know. I don't have to know which website it was. How many of y'all have ever been to a website you wish you'd ever went to? Right? It could be as simple as you went to a department store and you bought something. Next thing you know, you had 100 emails the next day because they sold your information. You're threatened. There's an invasion of your privacy. Websites line up with Canaanites, Jebusites, Gibeonites. It lines up with them. Interest, and even with parasites, they eat at you. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and I understand that I say it in somewhat of a, a, a humorous or comical way, but that's to get our attention. The reality is it's truth. Websites. You say, well, that's what's behind websites. Well, we know that, all sin. But some people would not do what they do on websites in public. They wouldn't do it with another person, what they do. They wouldn't trade what they trade. 
but they do it in this little private place. Websites destroy marriages. They emasculate people. I mean, they, they, they just, they're terrible of what they can do. There can be a trap. He said, I'll send my angel. Now listen, he said, I'll drive it out. We live in a culture that he has to take everything out of us. He said, I'm taking you to a place. I'll drive it out before you even get there. I'll give you the power to conquer. I could take you to Joshua chapter 5 and the Canaanites, the Canaanites just heard that the children of Israel are coming. And it said they melted and they were covered with fear. They had no more spirit to resist. And they were like champions in their territory. That would be something like, oh, I heard the church is coming. The people of God are coming to Washington, D.C. And anything opposing Christianity would just dry up. Lose its spirit. Could you imagine? That's biblical. It happened. Well, not in our day. No, we're living in these days. We're living in a day of greater things. We have got to think bigger than, better than, more than. We've got to think possibility. Come on, somebody. And if you can't believe for the White House, how about your own house? Saying that's too big. He needs to do it in our house. We need to do it in our homes. Amen? Somebody said God is on the move. Verse 7. Moses took his tent. Now, I'm going to tell you some ways to get to the, the glory, okay? Moses took his tent. Now, Moses literally had a tent, like a tent, like one of those you go down and it costs like $89 or $99, and you buy them at Walmart or somewhere like that, and you go out and you pop them up, and then you put a tent, and you push them up, and you pop them up, and they get, you know what I'm talking about, a tent. He had walls in his tent, most likely. But the tent that you and I need to be more aware of is what it says in 2 Corinthians, that your human flesh is your earthly tent. Your skin, for most of you, is a pup tent. For me, it's a big dog tent. Okay? You are wearing a tent. The tent where he wants to dwell. And, and you are nomadic. Just like me right now, walking from one side to the other side. I'm nomadic. I'm moving. And Moses was of a nomadic people. They would go somewhere and set up for a while and then they'd get moving. And God would even move them. He would use a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. God was that real. But yet God is no respecter of persons. So God did not respect the children of Israel more than he respects the children of God. Us. The, the sons of God. The, uh, the born again Christians. There's a possibility we could be closer to the presence of God than we are. You may say, well, I don't know if I'd see it in a cloud. You may not see it in a cloud. You might see it in something else, but you see the evidence that God is active in your life. Told Jason how proud I am of him. I said, I have three feelings over you right now. I'm sorrow for you. I'm proud of you and I'm happy for you. And the reality is, is that he has looked at the indicators God has done in his life to reveal to him that God was with him. So what was happening is that he was being led by the pillar and by the cloud. He's being led by it. Isn't it amazing how much technology will literally try to steal to use the concept of the cloud? 
When is the cloud? You put information up and it stays up there. So you can pull that information down anytime you want. I've got news for you. You inform God you need him. He will give you everything you need. That's what it says in James. He will give you every bit of faith and knowledge and spirit that you need. So if we're empty and short thereof, it's not his problem, it's ours. There is still a cloud that watches over us. There's still a pillar of fire that watches over us. Amen? And he's still leading his people. So Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp. What that would describe for you and I is that Moses picked up his tent and they thought, well, there he goes again. He's got his tent. He's going home. He don't want to play with us. And he goes over outside the church or outside the camp and he pitches his tent. Not where everybody was. He made a place where everybody needed to be. He got outside of the crowd and made a place that he got on his own knees. He got on his own face and he met with God. You need to hear me. Just coming to a church that has the cloud or the pillar will not be sufficient for you. It might help you. It might inspire you. It might ignite you. But you have got to learn how to take your own self and throw it into the presence of God and say, come meet with me. You have got to sing a song and say, awaken me. Not just awaken your church. Not just someday. I don't know where it's going to. And if it happens over there, then I'll fly to that meeting. No, no. It can happen right where you are. He took his tent and he pitched it. And when he pitched his tent outside of the camp, far from the camp, called it the tabernacle of meeting. Let me just notice something here for you. Moses had a personal relationship and a corporate relationship. He didn't just have a personal relationship with no corporate relationship. He didn't just have a corporate relationship with no personal relationship. You need both of them. God is trying to direct us back to our to our promises, to our possession, to our fullness, to the healthiest land that he has for you and I. You can listen to the world and the world is telling you it's not going to get any better. You can read the Bible and tell you for those people it will not be getting any better. But you can read the Bible and you can see God and realize it's going to be okay for you. It is going to be okay for you. The little saying is that there's light in Goshen while there's darkness in Egypt. If you live where God directs you out and Exodus, you live in the presence of God, there will be light. Why? Because he is the light of the world. And it came to pass that everyone, listen to this, and it came to pass, this is where the Bible starts talking about you. He's inspiring you with Moses, Moses being a leader. He says, and it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord, there's a descriptive there of what kind of people Everyone didn't say everyone, and it didn't say that everyone sought the Lord. It said everyone who sought the Lord. Those who made a decision to seek God, this is what they did. And everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So they saw it, and they trusted it, and they followed it. Now remember, they had seen some good things, some powerful things. They'd been through some hard times and difficult times, but they saw Moses cross a Red Sea and they went with them. It's not that bad to open a door and pitch a tent. Sometimes we think God's asking too much of us. There is nothing miraculous needed for you to seek God. There's nothing miraculous for you to follow a vision. That's called obedience. It's called desire. It's called 
responsibility. Listen to me. I preached at a church. And this church was in revival. And while this church was in revival, I made a very simple call in the middle of the message. For those who do not have a personal quiet time, daily devotion with God. And nearly half the church stood up. I was excited. Some people could say, oh, my goodness, that's no, no. They're making more room because they're committing. That's what they're going to start doing. So more people are going to start pitching their tent. Listen to me, church. I'm making that same call tonight. For you to pitch your tent, for you to seek the Lord, for you to have a personal quiet time with God, that you have a personal pursuit for God, that you're not just involved in a wave of people going. Are you with me? But you're seeking for yourself. Moses wanted the children of God to seek God. Moses wanted the children of God to hear God and to see God. Friends, Christianity is still about hearing God and seeing God. It's not attending to where there's a service. Are you with me? It's important for us to gather together. So very important. It's where you build relationships. That's where you see each other's needs. That's where there's a level of accountability. That's where we get our marching orders together. So we're not just all walking in all different places, but we're trying to walk in this, in this vein and walk in this direction. There's so many reasons to that. But you have to have a personal pursuit of God. Amen? So they went out where the tabernacle was. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at this tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Listen to me. I'm a leader. There's other leaders in here. You're a leader. Everybody's leading somebody. You and I ought to be leading our children into seeking God to where they get up and go on their own because they know that we got up and went on our own. My children never wrestled or doubted or were not sure where I was on any given morning that my truck was at home. They knew and they know I'm in my study. They know Gretchen's in her corner. Have Gretchen and I been in my study together to, to pray? Yes. Have we been in the corner together? Yes. But even in our marriage, I have to have my individual pursuit of God and she needs to have hers too. And that's what reveals it to our children. Everybody is leading somebody. Don't think those little things are insignificant. Don't you dare think that a few months ago on a Wednesday night is insignificant. Don't you think. Can you imagine being at, at, at working at a thrift store? Mark gave it to me and, and, and working and going, what? Well, I just gave him. He had just given me a gift not long ago. He walked in and set it down. Don't think that's insignificant. Who knows what note or what, what gift or what you might say or do for somebody tomorrow that would be very significant in their life. Thank you for holding the clock back a little bit. He didn't. It's all right again. So whenever it was, so they'd gone out. In verse 9, and it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, I have this underlined, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. 
I almost see something here that perks a real deep interest in me. There was a cloud that led him by day and a pillar of fire that led him by night. But now a pillar of cloud is at the tent door. I got a funny feeling it might have been at the breaking of dawn. Could have been at a point of dusk. But everything was there. Everything. All of God was standing at the door. It makes me think that Jesus was representing God and that Jesus, the same Jesus who is in the book of Revelation, is now in the book of Exodus because it said, look up and there'll be a door standing in heaven. And he'll say, come up here. But this time he came down and he stood at that door. He stood at the tent door and he was standing there. Jesus was hinged. Jesus was positioned right there at the door. I'll bless your coming in and I'll bless your going out. You come on in here, son, and I will anoint you. You go out there and I will send you and I'll appoint you. Jesus is on the scene because God said, I will send my angel. And even the word pillar gives us a sense of somewhat of a bodily form or structure that's being placed there. I don't know if that excites you or not, but I don't know. Maybe you could be bizarre enough and, 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 and unique enough that you would go out and, and buy you a little pup tent and use it in your prayer room. All I want you to do is get excited about seeking him. There is a promise throughout scripture. If you seek him, you will find him. Amen. And it came to pass that the cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And the Lord talked with Moses. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Here our prayer wheel turning. He wants to talk with you. He doesn't just want to hear me. He wants us to hear him. He came to meet with Moses. Why? Because Moses came to meet with him. It is as elementary as you can get. It's as simple as you can get. But I'm exhorting you. I'm exhorting you to go meet with him. With the sole purpose and sole intent to meet with him. Now you may say, well, that's so difficult. Could you imagine? You've been a mountain climber. You've had a burning bush. Come on, somebody. You've had a Red Sea open. This man is marked with supernatural events, but yet he would still pitch his tent. If you're faithful to the little things, he will steward, or should I say, stand at the door of your little things as a big, big God. And you won't worry about tomorrow. You won't worry about tonight. You'll have... Your peace. And talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. The presence of God will activate worship of men. Now, I don't know how we get past this. I don't know that we circumvent this. I know there's a place to exhort and to encourage. But when God starts to come, I won't have to tell you, nor will anybody up there, to shout, raise your hands, clap your hands, bow down, lay on your face. But as children, 
Sometimes we need to teach posture. We need to teach mannerisms. But when you sense the presence of God, everybody rose up and worshiped him. Notice what Moses did. Here's a man who would go up to meet with God, and he did on occasions. But now he set a place where God could come down to meet with man. I want this house to set a place. I want your homes to set a place, this house to set a place, our home to set a place that God will come down and meet with man in our house, in our tent, in our camp, in our tabernacle. Could you imagine? So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but a servant Joshua, but a servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So Joshua, the younger generation, was watching the elder generation and was serving the vision. Friends, there are numerous, and I, I'm not, I want to break through your, your age barriers right now. It's all in concept. But I, there's numerous opportunities to serve in this house. Numerous opportunities to serve in this house. You, even in your age that you live in, you can have a selection. You can come and pick which one you want to do until it gets filled up. But I'm here to tell you, you cannot bypass kingdom principles. And it is very important to serve the Lord and to serve his house. Matter of fact, Joshua said, as for my house, we will serve the Lord. We will present and do and prepare for the Lord. Amen. I want to encourage you. Find somewhere to serve. If you're greeting at the door, if you're working in Potter's Playhouse, you get involved in creations on a cleaning team, on 12 bushels food distribution, find somewhere to serve. Find somewhere to serve. So, there's something unique about Joshua. He was disciplined enough to serve the one that Moses was serving. When Moses left, Josh stayed. He stayed. No knowledge, no understanding. We have no knowledge whatsoever understanding that because of that, he knew that he was going to be second in command. Matter of fact, he was just one of Moses' choice assistants. So it could have been any one of those guys. There's other choice people. There's other assistants. Other people served. Other people came and told Moses back in Numbers and said, hey, there's other people prophesying. This is going on. But Joshua stayed. You never know where your tending will attend you. You never know where your staying will keep you. You don't want to rush your seeking with God. You don't want to hurry it. You don't want to just scurry through it. You don't want to just, just come and go. You want to learn to abide. Who knows what God said to Joshua during that time? Who knows? We really don't know. And then we even find out that when Joshua became the leader of Israel, he had an encounter with Jesus or with God that he didn't know. He said, who are you? Who are you with and who are you? you know? He said, neither. It's the captain of hosts. But who knows what he might have said to Joshua in that time? Now, here's the interesting thing. Today, 
there's a great possibility that if somebody stayed longer in the tabernacle, somebody else would know. Because they'd already tell them how long they stayed there. They would already tell them what God had said to them. They would already tell them, we've got to learn to let it bake, marinate. We've got to learn how it becomes and assimilates as one in us. Mary pondered these things in her heart. Are you with me? So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Joshua did not depart from her. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. So now we know God was talking to him. He said, bring these people up. Do what? Bring them up. You know what I feel like God has said to me? Bring these people up. Lead these people into the greatest era of the church ever. Not the greatest E-R-R-O-R. The greatest E-R-A. The greatest era of the church ever. Could you imagine all of us that stood in this altar with our hands lifted, those leading us in worship, and everybody saying, blow on me, that if God, what could possibly happen when God does blow on all of us? When he anoints us, when he sends us, after he's rented us and mended us and he sends us, what could really happen? What could really happen? He said, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. So he's having a little interaction here, and he's saying, you know, you have spoken to me. He said, but there's some things you didn't tell me. There are some things God's not going to tell you. But what he is saying to him is, my grace is sufficient for you. He's saying to him, he said, you're known. You don't just know me. I know you. There's a big difference between you knowing somebody and that somebody knowing you. Big difference. That's more of a relationship. That's more of a, of a unique and a more in-depth communication relationship and being with somebody. He said, and by the way, Moses, you have found grace in my sight. Now, you would know as well as I know in our modern day Christianity where we live right now, that that would be salvation. That would be becoming a Christian. I'm known by his name. He knows me. I'm the child of God. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, and, then, and I know his voice and, and that his grace has saved me. Correct? That isn't a stopping point. I know I sound like a broken record, but until we get it, that is not a stopping point. There is yet more. I think I mentioned it to you. This is where I stand today. Is that my heart is full, but my desire is not. I know there's more to God, of God, from God, and definitely for God. I know there is more. Now, therefore, I pray. So he shifts into his having a conversation. He prays, he entreats the Lord. He invites the Lord. He requests the Lord. If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, excuse me, I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. I think we need to have a little bit bigger vision. I think maybe we've lost some of the depth of the vision that God has. God would speak to cities, but he also spoke to nations. I don't think that America has had to had its best day. I think America can still have her best day. 
I don't know that it's going to be solely, matter of fact, I know it's not going to be solely governmental, but it's going to be Christ-centered. I believe that we can have a great day. I really do. I believe that we can have a revival and a turnaround. God saves nations. He, does, he always has. He saves cities. I think we need to pray for Scottsboro as a city. I think we need to pray for America as a nation. I think we need to pray for Alabama as a state. That's not something new. That's what we should do. Amen. So he says, I want to, you to show me your way. So in other words, Moses knew that he had come to a place, but there's got to be another place. Moses was not satisfied with just keeping his quiet time right here. He now wants to walk it out. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. We need, that's Romans 8, 14. We need a voice behind us that says, this is the way walking in it. We should not live in complacency. We should remain in passion to follow God. And he said to him, I'm having to leave a few parts out here. In verse 14, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. I want to live in your presence is what he's saying. I don't want you to take us somewhere and leave us somewhere. Because what Moses was interpreting here is that you'll take me up there, but you may not stay up there. I don't want you to take me somewhere that you're not going to take me further. I want to be in your presence. Your presence is my provision. There are way too many people today living with promises without any presence. We're going to find out in this past scripture is the presence of God that distinguishes the people of God from everybody else. Friends, it's not a, a, a listen, you, you can look at it from two different angles. And if you as an American believer spend your life trying to not do what you're not supposed to do, nine out of ten times, somebody is going to do it. So you can spend the rest of your life trying not to take the mark of the beast. Boy, just got chilly in here. I don't want to talk about that right now. But that's what it says. It says everybody's going to be given the choice. Take Mark of the Beast, forehead or on the wrist, on the forehand. And if you sit there spending all your energy and all your own strength trying to not do something, you're going to be dangling with that thing, wrestling with it. But if you spent the rest of your life abiding in his presence, I got news for you. You won't take a chip. You won't take a chip. But there'll be many people who have claim on promises that have no evidence of presence that will be doing things that they should not be doing. How do you know that? Look around. They have the form of godliness, but they deny the, what we talked about earlier, the power of God. But the power of God, his presence, will keep you connected to his promises and his power will give you authority over what you're not supposed to do because you're doing what you're supposed to do with him. This brings you all the way into a New Testament understanding is that after you receive the Holy Spirit, you shall be empowered from on high. 
It brings you into Matthew chapter 1. His name is not just Jesus who saves you. He's Emmanuel who is God with you. So this starts to talk about the abundant life that Jesus preached. It starts to talk about the, 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 the spirit-filled, the spirit-empowered life. God, all that is written in the New Testament, even after the book of Acts, he talks about giving his spirit to us. And to not reject it, to not deny it, to not speak evil of it. He said, from those who have the form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Well, I'm saved, but I still drink like a fish. You just told me you're powerless. Even the scripture, I'll even catch you on this one. Even the scripture said you have dominion over fish. So if you're a fish, quit drinking like a fish. You got dominion. If God's presence is with you. The Bible talks about drunkards and how they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Whoremongers, covetous, gluttonous. All these things are evidence of weakness. In my life, your life, our life, their life, it just is. But we have this promise without any presence. But when you learn to live in his presence, you'll have power. You'll have authority. You'll be a conqueror and an overcomer. All right, I'll wrap it up with this. Jonah, come play something really soft if you don't mind, please. He said, my presence will go with you. He said, if you don't, don't go with us. Don't, don't take us up there. I don't want to go. Uh, don't bring us there. Verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? So this is not just a Moses thing. It's a corporate thing. Except you go with us, for we shall be separate, your people and I, from the people of upon all the face of the earth by his presence. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. Did you hear that? Sometimes God has to get us to where we speak it. Sometimes we have to get to where we agree with God, where we speak what God is speaking. We say what needs to be said. He said, I will do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses, a second time, could have simply said, okay, okay, I guess that's good enough. Mm -mm. Moses said, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And that's all the further we can get tonight. But I don't know if we need to get any further. If every one of us could get to the place that we're like, I'm thankful that you know me. I'm thankful that I'm saved by grace. And if you're not either one of those tonight, you can become that tonight. You, you can be born again. You can be saved. You can ask Jesus in your life. You can build a relationship. But then he goes on and says, show me your glory. What is his glory? It's simply that manifested presence. It's the evidence that God is with you. And if God be with you, and listen, if God be with you, then who can be against you? That's what David said. Now watch this. If you're in the presence of God and God is with you and it's evident God's with you, you'll have a much greater confidence and a much greater sense of faith. God's with me. Nothing can be against me. You're going to feel better having God there with it. But if you ever wondered why am I not in the presence of God? I don't feel God. I don't sense God. I don't know where God is. And you start to worry about things. You start to doubt about things. You start to argue about things. You start to cheat about things. You start to lie about things. You start to worry about things. Come on. That's why you need his presence. Because when his presence is there and you see the evidence, you look out the window and, and your favorite flower is blooming and it's December. 
You're like, ah, that couldn't only, that defies the law of nature. Only God does miracles. I don't know what it is. It's not far away. Few evidence that the pillar in the cloud is not far away. You're in his presence. You won't be defeated by things. You won't be discouraged by things. You won't be overcome by things. That's all it is, is you saying, God, I want your presence. God, I want your presence. I want your glory. Come, be with me. I want you to stand to your feet for just a moment. Well, that was Moses, right? In 1 Kings, one verse, two, I lied. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10, it's in the days of Solomon. They're building the temple. Oh, can I do three verses? Golly. You go back and read it. Oh, dear Lord. we're living on a prophetic word the other day we we're having a prayer meeting during our time of fasting and prayer and they brought out a bunch of prophetic words we have over our church and they set them down on a chair back there and, and I thought well maybe we need to go in there and, and, and take out the ones that have already been answered right and the Holy Spirit said don't take anything out there don't take anything out of there I was like yeah but you know we already did the expansion of the sanctuary we had a prophetic word, stretch out your tent stakes, and this is what God's going to do, and that's what we built the expansion off of. God said, I'm not done expanding. I'm not done expanding. What he does in the natural, he'll turn around and do in the spiritual. What he does in the spiritual, turn around again and do it in the natural. The word of God is eternal. Now listen to this. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in the front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside. They were there to this day. You want to learn how to get in it, not just be on the outside of it. But you want the extension of the poles of the tabernacle of the presence of God. Listen to this. Nothing was in the ark except two tablets of stone, which Moses put in the, at Mount Horeb. When the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they came out of the land of Egypt. I've got news for you. He's got a covenant with you, too. When you came out of bondage. And it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not continue ministering because the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. That's what we're looking for. That's what we desire. We're looking for God to come to where all we can do is bow and worship. All we can do is lay prostrate before him and just, and just worship him. The glory of God, the goodness of God at home. Friends, you'll have such a better peace at your house when you spend an hour with him. You're walking around praying, all of a sudden the presence of God comes, and you're like, nobody's going to believe this. They don't have to. It was for you. It takes your belief level to another level. When you have a car accident and somebody shows up out of nowhere, picks up the car, puts you out, sets you on the side of the ground there, and people come up and they say, how'd you get out of that car? Oh, somebody opened it. There's no open door. There's no open door. And all of a sudden you go, angel. Sends his angel. Come on, this is who he is. This is what he does. You see, Mark bringing me that little gift connected that Wednesday to 2020 that connected to February 3rd, which allows me to believe more of what the investment's going to be. 
It all just works together. It all just works together. Once you lift your hands one more time tonight. Lord, fill us with your glory. Lord, we choose tonight to tabernacle with you, to pursue you, to find you, to be with you. We long for you to be with us. I speak over every soul, every living being in hearing in the sound of my voice that we would have a new prayer. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Lord, I need to see you. I need to hear you. I need to feel you. And I need to be filled by you. Show me your glory. Open the heavens over your sons and your daughters. Blow on them. Move on them. Expand expand their temples, Lord. And I speak blessing over your children. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.